You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Today in the driver's seat, I have Liz Prestella, tire specialist with NASCAR, one of three women in the Cup Series garage, and owner of Torqued Clothing, the workwear with a feminine twist. In the driver's seat today, I have Liz Prestella. How are you doing, Liz? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I am doing well. So why don't we jump right into it? You have a very fascinating story. We'll get to the good juicy stuff in just a moment. I guess, why don't you carry the listeners through a little bit of how you got started, where your interest started at, and how you kind of got into the industry? It all started when I was about 13. I had always watched racing with my dad and been really interested in cars. I was a really big daddy's girl, so whenever my dad did stuff, I was always right there with him. My mom was always off with my other two sisters, coaching them, kind of managing. So there's three of us. So my mom helped those two. My dad took me. And as I got close to getting driving age, my dad was like, well, you want to learn about cars? I was like, yeah, I want to take auto shop. I want to know what I'm doing before I drive. I want to be able to change my own tire. I don't want to be limited. So when I turned 15, I went to auto shop in high school that just drove my passion for working on cars even more. And as I went through high school, I took more auto shop classes and more. And by my senior year, I think I had three auto shop classes. Were you the token female in a lot of these? Or were there other women in there with you? There was two or three in each year, but there wasn't a lot. Some of them, they took it because their dads told them they needed to take it to get a license. And others were actually interested in working on cars. So it was kind of a combination of both. Yeah, that's interesting. So that was in high school. Yeah. So did where did you end up taking it from there? Three months after I turned 18, I actually moved from Lake Tahoe, California to Charlotte, North Carolina. So I moved about 2,200 miles away from my family. Holy and I have God. no family in North Carolina to this day. <laughs> you literally moved across the country. Yeah. My parents put my Camaro on a trailer. We packed up 13 boxes and shipped them and then bought whatever else we needed once I got here. Wow. How long ago was that? That was in August of 2007. So I've been here for almost 12 years. It, does it feel like home to you? It definitely does. Like People always ask me, well, would you ever go back to Tahoe? And I don't know if I ever could be on visiting because they also get a lot of snow and that's not the most appealing thing for me. Yeah. Well, if you're talking about motorsports, snow and motorsports, well, the type of motorsports that you do definitely don't go hand in hand. Yeah. Go ahead. You you packed up. You moved clear across the country. And I went to vocational school. I went to Universal Technical Institutes to get the automotive side. And I took a lot of the fabrication and the welding and just the chassis applications and some engine classes just to get me that further knowledge of what goes into race cars. Because where I grew up in Tahoe, we don't have stock car racing. Like closest thing we had was demolition derbies and little... BMX type of stuff, but we didn't really have stock car. Like I would go to the NASCAR races with my family a couple times a year, but I didn't have 
full mechanical understanding of the cars. So with that, I was able to kind of learn more about how a race car is built and how they work and just the fundamentals of them. Now, I'm going to backpedal a little bit. You mentioned stock car. Do you mind educating, like when you say stock car, can you explain to the listeners what that means exactly? In NASCAR, we're based on stock car bodies. So all of our cars are based off actual street car. So like the Toyota Camry looks like a street car Camry. Chevy Camaro is designed like a Camaro. And the thing about NASCAR, people always ask, well, why don't we do one lug? Because we want to keep it stock. So we still have five lugs. We have a standard rear end in it. And we've modified this parts so that they work better for what we do. But the same general concept as what a streetcar is, is what we run. Do you mind sharing with the listeners uh, which trade school you, uh, you went to? It was Universal Technical Institutes, and I did the NASCAR branch of it. So once I finished my core, I took some NASCAR-based classes. And NASCAR has a partnership with the school to kind of help them keep their education and the curriculum current to what NASCAR has. Universal Technical Institutes is all over the U.S. I think they have 15 Uh locations, and you can take the core at any of the campuses, and then you can go to any of their other locations to take the after programs. Right on. So you went and got your education. So -hmm. how did you end up kind of transitioning out of school then? I actually changed oil at a couple different quick lubes for about two and a half, three years. And from there, I ended up being a service advisor at a Chevy dealership here. And it's Randy Marion dealerships, and they actually have like eight locations. We call it Randy Land because there's such a large dealership in this area. And I did that for about a year and a half, two years. And from there, I decided, you know, I'm done being in a dealership. I want to pursue my racing career. So I started sending out emails to all the truck teams, all the ARCA teams, any team that I could find an email for. I was emailing them saying, you know, this is what I want to do. Here's my resume. Can you offer me an internship, anything? And oh, Jennifer- wow. Just like cold emails. It's not yeah. like you had an in or someone connected you with someone. You literally just started emailing people. Yeah, because I don't really, wow. I didn't really know anyone out here besides work related people. So it's like, I don't have the family. I don't have the history in this area where a lot of guys, their friends of a friend of a friend gets them in the garage. I didn't have that. So I just started emailing people, figured it couldn't hurt. The worst they could do is not answer me. Yeah. That, I mean, wow. Cause you, you hear about stories of people getting in to the industry. They knew someone or their dad knew someone or someone knew something just yeah. literally cold emails. Wow. Did, I'm guessing someone responded. Yeah, Jennifer Jo Cobb did. Her She has a truck team. It's the 10 truck, and they're based in Mooresville area, which is close to where I lived. And she said, well, here's my crew chief's number. I'm going to call him and tell him that he needs to come talk to you. So she just emailed me back and said, All right, be at the shop at this time, talk to my crew chief, and we'll see what we can do. So I drove over to the shop, and I met with the crew chief, and he was like, well, do you think you can do this job, you know, as an intern, you know? you think you can handle the weight? Are you up for the challenge? I said, yeah, you know, whatever it takes, I'll do it. I'm going to, I'm going to pause you here for a second. So can you like share what that interview was like? Because some people are like, wow, interviewing for a series, you know what I mean? What, what is that? What was that like? What, like, what did they ask you or did they have you do certain things? 
they didn't really ask me a lot because I was going mostly for an unpaid internship. So he was more just asking me what my knowledge was, what my background was, what my passions were. That way he could kind of get to know me and if I was a good fit for the team. Because in racing, interviews are a lot different. It's more about personalities and if your personality is going to work. So if you know everything under the sun in racing, but you don't have a personality that can get along with people, then it's harder to find a job because they want everyone to mesh because we spend so much time together with each other that you have to have comparable personalities to make it work. Right, right. Now, you had mentioned he was asking you if you could handle the weight. What do you mean by that? A standard tire that we run at almost every track that's got a liner in it, it weighs 65 pounds. So just changing the tires is 65 pounds. (laughs) Slinging tires is a workout. Wow. And like putting a seat in the truck, which is what a lot of what I did, those seats back then weighed about 30 to 40 pounds Uh because they weren't the carbon composite ones that we run now. So I had to be able to get those in and out, like be able to help with suspension stuff and jack the car up. So he just wanted to make sure I was physically ready to have to do these jobs. Maybe this sounds funny, Liz, but were you physically ready? Because, I I mean, you look like a a pretty petite woman. So, I mean, slinging 65-pound tires around, was was it challenging? At first it was, but luckily from my quick lube days, I knew some tricks to getting the tires on the car. So like I would use my feet to help put them up on there, and then I would use my knees, yeah. and over time I became stronger. Yeah. So I just learned to maneuver it so that I could work it from my size. And that's something that I've always just had to adapt to because not everything's designed for a girl that's five foot four. It, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even slinging around 65 pounds, I mean, and it goes to show, I feel like some women rule themselves out for doing things like that because mm-hmm. of their size. Yeah. The fact that they're a woman. And it was interesting. I shared with my dad, my dad's a huge NASCAR fan, huge. He was like, I follow some NASCAR, but like he's diehard, right? And he's like, she changed tires? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, how big is she? I'm like, she's pretty petite. And it just goes to show you that you can do anything. Sometimes it's just a matter of understanding the laws of leverage and just being intelligent about how you do it instead of just pure brute force. Yeah. Like I'm the smallest tire person in the cup series right now. I'm not the shortest because we've got a tire guy that's like five foot two. But as far as like physical build, I'm the smallest tire person, but I'm also the fastest and I work this, I'm the strongest one out of all of us because I've learned how to maneuver everything to my size. So I can drop a stack of tires five high and walk faster than all the rest of the guys because I've learned how, what muscles I had to work on to make it easier for me to do certain things. Wow. And guys don't always think that way. They just think, oh, I got to be strong. They don't yeah. think, what do I need to work on to make this job easier? It's, it's about the efficiency and the almost physics around it. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, proceed. You started to share about, uh, you went through the interview, they asked you if you could handle the weight, then what happened? The next day, he had me come in the shop, he said, all right, you know, we start working at this time, come and close, you don't mind getting dirty. I was like, all right, no problem. Showed up, and the first thing he had me doing was like cutting a side off a car. And then he had me helping decal a car, then he had me cutting brackets out of a truck. And it's like I was in the truck, out of the truck, under the truck. Were you like a candy store? 
I was in heaven because I had never got to do that much yeah. like hands-on work. Especially being at Quick Loops and dealerships, you don't get the same kind of work. Like I was running air tools all day, cutting sheet metal in part. It was just a whole different experience for me. It was an unpaid internship. Did you have a side job? I did not. At the time, I was dating a guy who was making very good money. Yeah. And he was able to fund me for a lot of that. And we had just recently gotten married, too. So it was kind of a mutual. He said, all right, if you do this, then you got to be sure that this is what you want. He's like, you know, yeah. I'll take care of the bills until you make sure this is what you want. So I was very fortunate that I had someone that was able to help me out with that. And my parents were able to help me, too. Yeah. Because they knew how much I wanted that. So they kind of helped me as they could as well. It sounds like you had an amazing support system to encourage you, and not just financially, but the encouragement piece as well. Yes, it was definitely different for me because I had never been in that experience. And like the guy I was married to at the time, he, me and him had always been together. So mm-hmm. when I started working for them, they're like, all right, well, can you come to this track with me? And I'm just like, this will be the first week and I've been apart from him in four years. Yeah we were able to make it work so that I was able to travel with them. And after about four or five races with them, Jen was like, all right, I want to hire you on full time starting on this date. So be prepared. And I was like, okay. I was like, okay, I'll have to know what you needed to be prepared for. Exactly. I'm just like, I'll just keep doing what I was doing. (laughs) So what, what happened after you were uh, hired on full time? Did, did it change for you then? It didn't change much. I was still doing, I kind of ended up getting more roles because I was there more often because at the internship, I wasn't there every single day. Mm -hmm. I would go like when I could or when I could make it work. Like if I had stuff I had to do at the house because at the time I was doing some like baby boutique stuff. Like I was making baby booties and some random different sewing projects for family members and they were paying me for it. So talk about like polar opposite things, right? The ultra, what I'll call kind of stereotypical female type thing to do. And then this ultra opposite of that, which is a heavily male dominated field. Yeah, I do a little bit of everything. Like last weekend, I actually made two quilts out of old crew shirts for one of my old truck drivers. And over the off season, I made a quilt out of all fire suits. I saw that in your um, pre-interview form that you filled out. I'm like, Wow. Talk about a woman of multiple talents. Old fire retardant. I bet you it's pretty warm. (laughs) Yeah, it was about 30 pounds when it was done. It took 18 fire suits to make the whole thing. And it was a king size with a little overhang. Yeah. So it was a very large quilt. And after I gave it to him, he's like, so can you make another one with the rest of the fire suits? (laughs) It only took about half the fire suit to make it. And I was like, yeah, I guess. Were they your fire suits or just other ones? They were his. Oh, got it. He's been a tire changer for about 20 years, so he has a very large collection of fire suits over the years. Yeah. And so he had me make one for his girlfriend and then one for his parents. And I just saw him today, and he was like, so I need to get more fire suits go so I can you can make me another one because both my sons want one now too. Jeez, are you charging for this, or this is out of the goodness of your heart? I do heart? charge for it. That He gets a little bit of a discount because whenever I get stuck at the track or I go out of town, he takes care of my cats. Ah, there you he go. The insider discount because he'll come yeah. clean my cat's litter box for me. <laughs> That's awesome. He's not a cat person at all. So the first time he did it, he was like, 
what do I have to do to this litter box? Like, <laughs> it's like what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> oh, goodness. So I totally derailed that conversation. <laughs> the um, So I guess just to kind of bring it back in, you got hired on full-time. Yeah. Your roles and responsibilities expanded some. How long from the point of, you know, day one interning to actual hire on? It was about four months. Wow, that quick. Yeah. Like after two months, she was like, you know, I want to hire you full time. After about the second time I was at the track, she Uh was like, you know, I like how you work. I want you to be full time. But she couldn't like her budget wasn't allowing for her to pay me until like a couple months later. Yeah. She's like, starting this date, I'm going to have, I'm going to be able to pay you. It's like, okay, no, I'm fine with that. Like I wasn't really going to argue it. You were brought on after four months and started working full time in in different positions means different things. But I'm guessing it's not your stereotypical nine to five job. No. With the way that truck series is, it's a very lower budget. So we don't have people that stay at the shop and build the cars and build the trucks. So we would get to the shop seven thirty, eight in the morning, sometimes earlier. We wouldn't leave till six, seven in the afternoon and that would be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Once we loaded the hauler, then we would get to go home. But typically, we would have to drive to whatever track we were going to. So some days it would be we loaded the hauler, we all went home, took a shower, and then went straight back to the shop and got in the van and drove to whatever track we had to go to. So it was a six to seven days a week. We were working eight to 12 hours a day. Which goes back to the comment of getting the right chemistry amongst the folks that work together because you're yeah, around like, each other so much. Even in the cup series with team I'm on, we work an average of two days a week in the shop and then we're at the track three days. That sixth day, we travel and we fly together. We ride in vans together. So during the week, we spend up to 60 hours a week with each other. And you have to be able to have the right chemistry with these guys, especially working in such close corners that we do mm-hmm. and how we're trying to change tires. You have It's a choreography in the garage. So if your personalities and you guys just don't mesh very well, you're not going to have a good flow. You'll end up with a lot of stumbling and tripping over each other and kicking each other, and it'll just look very disastrous. I think it's interesting that you use the word choreography. Just, I mean, what you're describing, it really is a dance. Yeah. They actually take some pit crew members and they put them in ballet classes to help with their coordination. Like They'll get these football players in from colleges and they don't have that light on their feet, like gracefulness yeah. to them. And so they'll give them ballet. And a lot of of the pit crew guys do yoga to help with their just grace and their balance. Because it's so different to go from football to changing tires. Oh, so you're saying you you may have a someone who was a football player and if they happen yeah. to get in NASCAR. Well, Hendrick recruits all college athletes for their pit crew department. So my current pit crew is Hendrick. We uh-huh. have four or five football players and one wrestler. And they were all came straight out of college and Hendrick recruited them to NASCAR. So many people, if you like just sharing what you just shared is probably is blowing people away like in ballet. Because you think of the man's man thing, right? Yeah. And I've heard that about football players particularly like running backs and stuff or tailbacks taking ballet classes for that reason that you just described. But 
never in a million years would I think about pit crew, but when you lay it out, it makes sense. Yeah, the whole pit stop is complete choreographed. That's how we can change four tires and fill it full of fuel in 13 seconds. Is Everything is such precise movement that uh-huh. if you aren't exact on your movement, either you're going to trip over something or you're going to miss lug nuts or you're going to slow the stop down. So it's like we practice three, four times a week just to get that choreography right to make sure that we can get the pit stop done in time frame. Like even before Daytona, our road crew, we go to Hendrick and we do pit stops with them for one to two days just so we can get the behind the wall choreography to match the over the wall because we have just as big of an effect on the pit stop as they do. Even though we don't go over the wall and we aren't actually servicing the car, what we're doing is pulling hoses, rolling tires, catching tires, making sure that the hoses are out of the way. We're doing as much as we can behind the wall to help them out. Now, have you always been behind the wall or do you get on the other side of the wall? When I first started out, I was on the other side of the wall. When I was with Jennifer Joe, about halfway through the season, they needed a tire changer. So they were like, all right, start practicing at the shop. You're going to go change tires in two weeks. I'm like, oh, okay. What like, was I that never like? I thought about that. Were you nervous? I was very nervous about it because I had never done a live pit stop with the truck rolling in and helmet yeah. and a full fire seat. Like I never did. Like at the shop, I was just practicing lug nuts like hitting lug nuts and running around the truck it's like I had never actually done a live stop until I got to the track so what did what did you do to prepare for that I just practiced a lot as much as I could like I would stay late with one of my guys and he would just have me work on my hand-eye coordination and how to get up and get around the truck and what I had to do during the stop because then I was just a mechanic so I didn't have a bunch of stuff I had to do during the race Like, now that I do tires, I'm running all over the pit box. But I did that for five years between the truck series, Xfinity series, and the cup series. I did about 80 cup races. Can you explain the difference between those three series? I mean, I know they're just names, but I know there's some folks and women that maybe are a little curious in understanding it. And I'll be the first to admit, there's there's a lot of different, like races divisions different things like that where if you don't mind educating me a little bit yeah the cup series is the top level there's four levels that we primarily focus on there's like eight total but the four are the main ones cup series is the top level that's the best of the best that's when i'm in we race 38 races a year and we're typically on sundays sometimes we race saturday nights but typically we're the sunday race Xfinity is the second level. That's the up-and-comers that haven't quite got the cup yet, but they're working on getting there. They race typically on Saturdays, occasionally on a Friday night, but they're the second level. And then below them is Truck Series, and those are the ones that look like trucks. That's the guys that are just getting started, still learning how to drive. Like There's a lot of rookies, guys that have never ran before in that series. And then below that is ARCA. That looks like an old cup car is the best way to describe what their cars look like. And that's pretty much as fresh as you can be. That's you start there and then you go into truck series. So you have to work your way up to cup. Got it. Okay. And you're in the cup series then? Yes. So you were with that particular group for how long then? A little over a year and a half. And she had some budget cuts and 
things just weren't working out right. So I ended up freelancing for the rest of that year between Excalibur Pit School and then Derek Cope and a couple other Xfinity truck teams that I knew. Like one truck team called me on Wednesday and said, hey, can you go to Canada for us this weekend? We know you have a passport. I was like, um, okay, like, oh, wow. Is your hauler still at the shop so I can go put my stuff in? They're like, yeah, it's leaving in two hours. So <laughs> get in the truck now. All right. So it's, it's a matter of always being ready for the call then. Yeah. Like at that point, since I was doing so much freelance, I kept my pit equipment in the car with me. That way, if someone called me last minute, I could go throw it in their hauler because going to Canada, the way that their restrictions are with us is they would rather the pit guns be in the hauler than us try to get them over the border because you have to claim them when you go into Canada. And if they don't understand the sport, then they wouldn't understand what we said, a pit equipment. They'd be like, well, what's that? And then they pull us off to the side and search our bags. And it was just easier to put it in the hauler where the hauler already has a manifest. Yeah. And they just let them go through. Got it. How long did you do the freelancing then? I did it for the rest of that year, which was like 10 races. And mm-hmm. then over the off season, I worked even harder at Excalibur to work on my tire changing abilities and help with my speed. And Excalibur shared a building with Derek Cope. So they were in two different buildings, but side by side. And I had worked with Derek a couple of the times prior. And Derek was like, well, can you come do the first five races for me? You could still pit for Chuck whenever he needs it, but just come be a mechanic. I was like, okay, sure. You know, I don't got anything else going on. Have you found in, in you know, NASCAR that overall the men have and women have been very supportive? I think it's like 60-40 some days. There's yeah. 60% that are super supportive, do whatever it takes to help me out. They bend over backwards if I needed it. And then there's 40% that are either some days they're supportive, other days they're not so sure. And then there's some that are just not at all supportive because they don't think women belong in the garage. And those are the ones that I've always kind of had to butt heads with because I'm like, dude, I'm, I work just as hard as you do. There's no reason why you need to give me this attitude. And so it's, it's a real big toss-up depending on who it is and the day of the week for some of them because like, they'll be in just a horrible mood and they'll take it out on me. Yeah. And it seems to be that's kind of what I've been seeing just talking to different women in, in general in, in the trades industry and motorsports industry is that there's the super supportive men and then there's this train of thought of women don't belong there. Yeah. And so, a lot of it on my side, it's old school racers that have been around since the 50s and the 60s mm-hmm. and they're getting up there and either they're completely against it or they're so supportive like Dale Inman he's with Richard Petty Racing he's been with Richard since Richard started and he's one of my biggest supporters every weekend he comes and say it's hi to me he makes sure I'm having a good weekend he always talks about how strong I am and how I embarrass all the other tire guys (laughs) trash talking (laughs) like he'll put his tire guy and be like She's throwing that tire around like it's nothing. Why are you struggling? And so the guy just looks at me. I'm just like, sorry. I'm really good friends with, so I always just laugh about it with him. Yeah. So you did the freelancing through the end of that year. Then what happened next in your career? I went with Derek Cope. He was an Xfinity team, and I did the first five races with him. And at the time, he had a partnership with Jay Robinson, who owns a couple cup teams. I he owns the 77 and the 15 now. It, back then it was the 89, I think. It was Joe Nemechek's car. 
He's changed numbers a lot over the past couple of years. It's been hard to keep up with him. And Jay jacked the car with us while I did change tires. And after Jay watched me for a couple of weeks, he was like, he, I'm sitting there working on the car and he's in the garage asking me, so can you do this? Can you do that? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I can do all that stuff. And he's like, so starting next week, you want to come over and hit the cup car? I was like, oh, okay, sure. You're like, you yes. <laughs> if that's what you want, I will be there. I will change tires all day long. You made the jump up then. That was kind of, I guess, corporate America. That's almost like a promotion. Yeah. And after about two races of just changing tires on that side, Jay was like, well, I need a tire person. Can you come over and we'll train you how to do it? I was like, okay, you know, as long as Derek's good with it. And Derek was fine with it because I could still pit for Derek on the Xfinity side. So he still had me on race day, but I was still on the cup side. So it worked out for Derek as well. And I pretty much would fly out with Jay on Thursdays or Wednesdays, depending on what, what day we were racing. I would work all weekend with Jay, and then Saturday after we were done with practice, I'd go get changed, and I'd go out to pit road, and I'd change the Xfinity race, and then I'd come back, and then on Sunday, I would be changing tires in the cup race. I'm just I'm sitting here listening to you share these stories. I mean, your dad was a car guy. He, yeah. he is a car guy. Is your, is your father still with you? Yes. Okay. He, he is a car guy. What is this like for your parents to... I mean, have they ever shared with you what this is like from their perspective? I mean, they, they got to just be glowing with pride. They are very proud of me. They usually get to go to three to four races a year, depending uh-huh. on scheduling. But normally they go to Vegas, they go to Sonoma because those are close to the house for them. Mm-hmm. And then they try to go to Fontana. Like this year, they already went to Vegas and Fontana. And they're coming out here for the all-star race because my birthday is the week after. So they're going to come out the week before and celebrate my birthday with me. And then they're going to be in Sonoma as well. And then they're going to go to the second Vegas race. So I'll get to see them several times this year, which is nice for me because normally that's the only way I get to see them being so far away from them. Yeah. And I'm so busy between pretty much Valentine's Day to Thanksgiving. I travel almost every week. So it's really hard to get back to California unless I'm there for work. What does your daughter do? Oh, she's one of three women in NASCAR. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, oh, (laughs) I imagine they're extremely proud of you. So me and my sisters are very different. So when people ask my mom, well, what do your daughters do? It's like my mom, my older sister is a project manager at the power company in Seattle. Uh She went to school for wildlife biology. She does a lot with environmental planning. And then my middle sister is a hiring counselor at University of Nevada, Reno. So she went to school for psychology. And All then very accomplished women. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like when the, my mom goes through the, and she gets me, they're like, wait, she does what? Like your other two do this and she yeah. works on cars. <laughs> Where does she work on cars? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you can watch her this Saturday on TV. Just look for this one. You'll see her back there. Yeah. It's like my mom always has pictures on her phone. I'm the background on my dad's phone. She's like, yeah, that's her in her fire suit. That's, <laughs> that's her getting ready to catch tire. And, like, whenever there's an accident, like, beginning of this year in Atlanta, our gas man got hit on pit road. Oh, and Jesus. Before I even realized what was going on, my phone was going off in my pocket. And it's because they saw that all they said was one of our crew members was hurt. And then they finally panned over and they saw me situating uh, our new gas man while they were taking our injured one away. 
my mom texted me afterwards. She's like, I'm glad they showed you because I was a little worried. And yeah. I was literally two feet away from when he got hit. Jeez, I had just grabbed the tire and took two steps and he got hit into the wall. He's going to be okay. He ended up with a fractured leg and torn ACL and some crush injuries down it from his knee down. But he's had surgeries and he's in recovery now. Boy, someone was looking after you. Yeah. And it's like every time anything like that happens, my mom's always texting me right away. Are you okay? What's going on? Is everything okay over there? I'm like, yeah, mom, I'm good. Don't worry. Can you text her in a race? Do you like, do you have... I always have my phone on me because when I talk to my engineers, I usually, we have a Skype messenger that we use so that I can communicate with him because sometimes cell phone signal is not the greatest. So I'm on the Wi Fi mm-hmm. on a pit box. Yeah. So I can send him an instant message and be like, all right, tire look like this or look at the wares on this side. That way I don't have to run up and down the pit box. Yeah. Because oh. that can get very tiring. Oh, I can only imagine. Go ahead and continue down this journey then. So I was with Jay Robinson for a little over a year and a half before Tommy Baldwin came over to Jay and said, hey, I need a tire person. Can I hire her? And I was completely left out of the loop on it. Like I walked over to Jay to talk to him about a fire suit thing. And those who were talking, and it was normal for them to talk because they were pretty good friends. And Tommy looks at me and says, so Jay said I can hire you. So I'll talk to you in a minute about all that. I'm like, they're like all fighting over you. (laughs) I'm just like, did I just miss something? And Jay's like, well, he needs a tire person. So I told him that he could hire you. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I'll talk to you in a minute, Tommy. Now, I have to ask because I'm curious. It seems like these shifts and moves that you've made, everyone seems pretty open about going to different teams. Is that typical or is like your experience kind of an anomaly on the lower level teams it's kind of typical because they all work together so much like jay and tommy have been friends for probably 15 years and jay was kind of on the back runner he was he calls it nutrition racing where he's racing for the points and the money and tommy was more on the competitive side at the time that was when he still had the seven and alex bowman drove it That was before he sold his charter and started over again. So Jay was like, you know, it's a step up for you. He's like, if you want to go over there, it is a step up so you can go. But like when you get to the level I'm at now with JTG, we're all very even competition. So they don't openly say, all right, yeah, you can go hire my person. It's like they talk to me and then they Mm -hmm. negotiate. Like it's not the same kind of back and forth that the lower level guys have. What what was the next step in your journey then? Once I was at Tommy's, I was with him for a year and a half, and then he shut the doors. He ended up selling his charter. He had lost sponsorship, and he just did, was at the point where he didn't have the sponsorship to run the team the way he wanted it to. So he sold his charter, and I was able to get a job at JTG, and that was when they started the 37 car with Chris Busher. So it kind of all worked out in my favor. It's like I was maybe a month in between Tommy's and JTG that I wasn't working, which was okay with me because at the end of Tommy's, I ended up having wrist surgery. So I was out of commission for two weeks anyways. It was able to give me time to recover from my surgery. And I've been at JTG since with the 37 car. So I'm going on my third year with them. In the midst of all of this, you have figured out a way to have time to start your own business as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I started Torx Clothing in 
2017 officially. I've been toying with the idea since like 2010, 2011. I've always had the idea I wanted to do a clothing line, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted it to be. And then once I started working on cars more, I started realizing how problematic clothes are to find. Like even when I was changing oil, I had a hard time finding pants that would fit and that would hold up because they're just a lot of the ones they would call work pants. They weren't designed for someone that's going to bend up and down and checking tires all day long and changing oil. Like they just weren't designed for that kind of abuse. Mm -hmm. And then once I got into racing, I realized like, I was like, well, maybe being in racing, I can find someone that knows the company to go to because they know everything. Like they've got so many more resources available to them. Maybe one of them knows. Well, I was wearing old Navy pants and they were changing their styles so often. I was having a hard time finding ones that fit me right. And then they would be uncomfortable and then they wouldn't have actual pockets. And I'd end up with two pockets on my pants. I couldn't put anything in my pockets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Women's pockets are interesting. Sometimes I'm like, why even bother? Cause they're yeah, so shallow and stuff. It's like, are you kidding me? What, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. When I was at Tommy's was kind of the real turning point with me because I was wearing old Navy pants and I had my phone in my front pocket. Well, Tommy got on the radio and said, Liz, I need tire temps. Sorry. Like as the car was getting ready to come in, so I had to take off running to where tire temps were. My phone fell out of my pocket and almost got ran over. And I was like, I really need to fix this problem. Like I really need to do something different about these pants because I can't run without worrying about my phone falling out of my pocket. Right, right. I got to call myself out here uh, as well. I actually found you on Instagram through Torqued Clothing. I thought it was what you were doing was so fascinating to me. Uh, I completely agree with it. I find a lot of what I would call swag or like novelty type stuff for women out yeah. there, but you're going through different prototypes. You're testing these pants out. You're like doing the rigor around it where it's not just a cute saying on a top. And don't get me wrong. I love those as well. Cause yeah. even that space is untapped for women. You see a ton of, you know, man and, yeah. you know, mechanic related stuff for men. So there's definitely a place and a need for that. That's the first thing that I found where it's like the nitty gritty. And that's how I found you. And not until you submitted the form, the pre-interview form back to me, did I even know you were an ASCOT. <laughs> so yes, listeners. Yeah, I clearly did not do my com complete homework on that. And you were gracious enough to educate me on this. So <laughs> it was the torqued clothing that actually drew me to what you were doing. Um, what how what version are you on right now? I believe you're on the second prototype then? The second prototype I have a batch of. I don't like the fit of them as much, so we're altering those to be shorts because the fit in the legs wasn't quite right and they were a little too short for people. So they're getting turned into knee-length shorts, and then I'm working on my third actual sample right now with the new factory. What kind of fit, just so, so the listeners have an idea, like what are you looking for? Like just the... When I say relaxed fit, where it allows the movement, free movement. Like it's got more of a fit to it from like waistline to about mid thigh. Uh -huh. And then from there it starts loosening up and kind of turns into a straight leg. Mm -hmm. The second, the first batch that I had a full hundred made in, they were more of like very relaxed fit. To me, they felt like I was wearing baggy sweatpants because they were just so loose. 
So that's why I'm getting those altered because they just weren't comfortable to work in. It was almost too loose. Yeah, it was like right on the edge of being too loose and okay. And like I wore them in Daytona. The first day of Daytona this year, I wore them and I was like, I can't work in these. I just feel so baggy in them. Mm-hmm. It was like they fit, were fitted in the hips right, but the legs were just off. So yeah. after I got back from Daytona, I sat down with my marketing girl. I'm like, all right, we got to do something different. I was like, I can't wear these to work in. How is other girls going to do it? Daytona was an easier weekend for the first weekend of Daytona because that's mostly tech and qualifying and not a whole lot of hardcore stuff. I'm like, I can't even work in these on an easy weekend. How am I supposed to expect these girls to do it? And it actually took me almost two years from the time I started finding factories to actually get that first batch out. And that was two samples later, plus a whole batch of 100 pairs of pants. And I went full on with all the fabric. I ordered eight different samples. And I sat there with a pocket knife and a piece of sheet metal and scraped it on the fabric to see which ones were snagging and which ones didn't and what wasn't wow. healthy. That's the type of rigor that, that I'm talking about. Pants aren't the only thing that you're doing. You do have some shirts as well, right? Yeah. Right now, we do have shirts that have cute little sayings on them as that's kind of our, that way they can buy some stuff and see some stuff that they don't normally find while we're still working on the pants. Like we've got the, not sure if that's grease or mascara. That's a pretty popular one. That's cool. I really like that. What's on my face. And someone's like, Oh, is that grease? I was like, uh, Nope, that's eyeliner. Sorry. (laughs) And then you have the love hate relationship with gear oil. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone that's got that in their hair fully understands that. Oh Yes. Yes. It's very hard to get out of your hair. I've actually learned that Charlie's soap, it's a laundry soap and a household cleaner, actually works really good to get that out of your hair. Really? And it's organic and it's, it has nothing toxic in it. Uh-huh. So it doesn't damage your hair at all. Oh, wow. They actually sponsored Dirk's Cope's car when I worked for him and they gave me samples of it. And like two weeks later, we had an axle seal blowout and I got gear all in my hair trying to get the car cleaned and fixed. Wow. And there was track. I was like, so can I use this to wash my hair? Because they advertise cleans everything from false teeth to diesel grease. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's fine. It's not going to fry your hair or anything. And at the time, my hair was color treated. Yeah. And it didn't do any damage to it. And that's the only laundry soap I've used since because it gets all that grease and oil and the smells out of your clothes. And it makes your clothes soft because it doesn't have all that chemical in it. Because I don't use fabric softener. Uh-huh. And I, all my clothes are still really soft because I use that soap. I'm going to have to link to it. What is the name of that soap again? It's called Charlie's Soap. You can get it off of Amazon. Some Walmarts and local grocery stores carry it just depending on what their selection is of, of like natural and organic products. It's the greatest soap I've ever used. Look at them getting a free plug from you. Yeah. Like I had never heard of it until they sponsored us and they were at track and they were such sweet people. Yeah. It's like, I, I got to learn more about the soap because I've always had really sensitive skin. So I've uh-huh. always had a hard time finding laundry soaps that would work and I've never had a problem with their soap. Our fellow females can have something that works well for them. I feel that way around sandblasting yeah. where that shit gets Oh my God, every crack and crevice of your body. I feel like you're like digging that out of your belly button and stuff for weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's like that certain tracks we go to, the tires are really gritty. Uh huh. And like usually on Saturdays, once I finish my tires, I'll go clean the car. So I'll be wiping down the underside of the car and I'll get it in my hair and 
Martinsville this year. I was under the car wiping it down and a piece of rubber went down my shirt. And I'm like, um, I can't get that out. Like I'm going to have to go to the bathroom to get that out of my shirt. And it's like when the guys walk by and I'm like trying to wiggle the try and get it to move. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. Don't worry about it. Just keep walking. <laughs> nothing to see here. Just yeah. keep moving. Nothing to see here. Well, and then he saw me like when I was walking out of the bathroom. He's like, "So what really happened?" And it's one of my really good friends. I'm like, "I had a piece of rubber go down my shirt." <laughs> he's like, I don't want to know. He's like, "I'm hoping you got it out, but I'm just going to keep walking at that." I'm like, "Yeah, no, it happens." <laughs> Boy, you walk into this conversation at the wrong time. I had a piece of rubber <laughs> down my shirt. I was trying to fish out. Oh boy. Yeah. Hopefully, when they they listen to the podcast, it's uh. They're, they're tuning in for all of it and get the full story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Liz, I think we are ready for the red line round. What it is is five rapid fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer to it. And the first answer that comes to mind is the right one. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. One, who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in this industry? Lisa Smokestead, for sure. She's the She runs the tire program at Hendrick. She's been in the sport for 20 years, and she's just an amazing role model. Wow. Has she been your mentor? Yes. I met her right when I got in the Cup, like within a year of being in the Cup Series. I was introduced to her when she was filling in on the 48. And ever since then, me and her have just always talked. If we're not talking once a week, something's wrong cool that she's a, a female taking you under your, her, her wing because obviously there's a lot of men that have been mentors because it's a male dominated field. So you run across more men than female. So what a great story. Yeah. Me and her have funny talks sometimes. Like she had to fill in last year for the nine tire guy because he had to have hand surgery and at Bristol, it was raining nonstop. And like, she walked up to me, she's like, I'm soaked all the way through. I'm like, I am too, Lisa. It's okay. <laughs> and we will get through this. <laughs> all right. Number two, where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or get stuck on a job? I usually go to guys I became close with in the garage, depending on what it is. Like if it's tire related, I usually go to one of my really good tire guy friends. If it's fabrication related, I go to one of my guys over at Hendrick or one of the guys out of my shop that's been a fabricator for 20 years. So it just depends on what I need help with. Three, what excites you most about what you do? When we run good. The past two races, we've been running top 10 for majority of the race, and that just makes me feel so good knowing that. And whenever I see the little girls at the track that are so excited to see me but really nervous to talk to me, yeah. those are like the two things that get me the most excited because those little girls, I just want to be like, you can do this. Like, I'll stop what I'm doing if I see a little girl looking at me and I'll go talk to her. Wow. Was that kind of a strange for you at first? Like, seeing yourself like, oh my gosh, I'm... I'm an idol for someone. Yeah, like when I was at Pit Crew All-Star a couple years ago, I was just like, I'm, I'm one of the All-Stars. Like they only selected two tire people out of the entire garage to feature. And the other one had been around for 20 years. And he was like, his name was Jet. He's a, retired now from traveling, but he was like the grand Pumbaa of tire people. Like we all went to him for advice because he'd been doing it for so long. And it was him and then it was me. And I'm like, I'm really considered the all-star. Like, 
know the rest of the tire guys you guys are talking to like it's just me and him and it's like that one just kind of blew me away because me and him were the only two that they picked well congratulations thank you and what year did that happen i want to say 2017 i believe I sent you the link to it, but I can't remember what year it was. Those two years kind of mushed together for me. Four, what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in your industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? I've got a couple friends that I lean on whenever I get stuck, and that's helped me a lot. One of them, he's like, I think of him as the big brother that's brutally honest. If I'm having a really tough day, I text him what's going on. He's always 100% honest with me. Like, you need to get your head out of your butt and focus on what you're doing and stop being so stubborn. Or he'll be like, well, this is what's going on. Look at it like this. So it's like he's always been the person I can go to or I have a really bad habit of making lists. That's my only thing. If, like, it's something that I can't remember I'm struggling with, I'll write it all down. I have notebooks all over my house and all over my toolbox of notes that I've wrote down to remember stuff or to remember to do things in a certain order. And finally, five, what is your parting advice to other femcanics, whether that's women or little girls finding their way in the skilled trades and motorsports industry? Always keep your head up and don't let what other people say get to you because there's no one in your world. What you want is you need to be able to focus on your dreams and your passions and not let anyone stop you. No matter what they say or who they are, you know what you want. You just need to follow your passions. Very well said, my friend. Where and how can people connect with you and Torqued Clothing Line? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Torqued. It's T-O-R-Q underscore D. And then on Instagram for me, it's Tire Girl and Twitter's Tire Girl 37. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?